Welcome to Patient Stories. My name is Dr. Bertrand Liang, and these are episodes about some remarkable people whom I've met through the opportunity of being a physician. To quote an anonymous wise dictum, love your process. Mr. P had been diagnosed with MS for about four years when I first met him on the consult service at the university hospital, where he'd been admitted to have a repair of a torn rotator cuff sustained after falling off a ladder when painting his two-story house. His initial symptoms had related to his vision and at another hospital had been noted to have optic neuritis or inflammation of parts of the eye and been treated with the requisite high-dose steroids with an excellent response. His MRI at the time had shown multiple white matter lesions, all suggestive of the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. About one year after his initial visual disorder, he had some sensory symptoms affecting his right arm, which he described as lightning shocks that went up and down his arm. At that point, he'd been treated with another medication, something called interferon beta, and had improved with that as well. Since then, he'd had no other symptoms, at least any he'd associated with his diagnosis. Mr. P was quite active and had not let the diagnosis get in the way of his activities. Whether it was painting the house, as noted, or skiing in the Alps, or playing competitive pond hockey, he was always involved in some activity as reported by his partner. Moreover, as a consultant in sales, he'd fly to all sorts of places during the week to provide his advice to a number of different companies within his area of expertise, and noted that he was such a regular on his most frequented airline that he'd gotten to know both the flight attendants as well as some of the pilots, given the worn pathway he'd trod over the many miles he'd flown. He'd also done some volunteer work for the MS Society on the local scale, and was well known within those circles as well. With all the work, personal, and volunteer activities, it was no wonder that at some point he'd get cut up in something that would cause him to have to pause. Mr. P was in the outpatient surgical facility when I was called. The resident, who was evaluating the patient preoperatively, had noted that he seemed to be doing well, but had complained of some issues with his vision once again. The resident, appropriately, had wanted to evaluate whether Mr. P was having another exacerbation of his MS and whether or not he should undergo the repair procedure as a result. As she noted to me, it's a pretty open and shut case. Can he still have the repair if he's got active MS? We have to know ASAP if we have to take him off the schedule. Understanding the need for the surgical process flow, I went to see the patient promptly with the goal of quickly determining if this was a true aggravation of his demyelinating disease or whether this was something less either apparent or of relevance, given that the surgical resident couldn't tell me what her visual exam of the patient had entailed. Upon arriving at the exam room, I saw that Mr. P looked calm and comfortable, well, as much as one can in a hospital gown and sitting up in a chair. I did note, though, that his right arm was marked up, presumably for surgery, and that the right side of his face had a small area of excoriation, no doubt from his fall off the ladder. After I introduced myself, I outlined why I was seeing the patient. Makes sense, he noted, nodding his head. When I had the optic neuritis before, though, it was like I had glasses on with grease on them. I couldn't see around it. This is somewhat different. I pressed him to explain further. Well, I still can't see. That's the same. But it's dark, you know? 
off to the side, not in the middle. I started thinking that the localization of Mr. Pete's problem might be further back into his brain rather than the optic nerve, particularly given his history of multiple white matter lesions and his brain noted on his chart. I explained to the patient that the area involved might be different and that I need to examine him further before I can make any more definitive statements. So is my surgery off? He asked pointedly. I'm not sure yet, I said, but let's see what your exam shows. Like in any area of medicine, specifically in neurology, one of the key tenets is the process of ascertaining a diagnosis on a patient. Most of us learn to localize the lesion within the nervous system first, determine pathologic potential, the type of anomaly that could be present, and assessing for a differential diagnosis, then evaluate the key diagnostic tests to further determine what's going on with the patient and subsequently outline a therapeutic strategy. These four things are commonly ingrained in our modus operandi as practicing physicians in the world of neurology. While given that I had already known the patient had a diagnosis of MS and had a history of optic neuritis, one could argue that it might be reasonable to skip the process and get right to the answer asked by the resident, particularly given the process flow in a surgical suite. But for most of us, that wouldn't be the best way to remain as obsessive and compulsive about a complete evaluation as possible, especially in those days when there was less emphasis on what some of my administrative colleagues now call churn. In particular, this is the reason I remember Mr. P so vividly. Upon examination, the patient did have visual changes, as he reported, and it was indeed dark. That is to say, it was something called a field cut where he couldn't see in specific areas rather than the obscuration he described upon the initial symptoms of MS. Moreover, not only did he have a field cut on the right, but he also had a field cut on the left. And both of these were to his peripheral vision, something that I've described here before, a bitemporal hemianopsia, worse on the right than the left. This is a very characteristic finding of a localization to where the optic nerves cross an area called the optic chiasm, and in fact is usually not due to demyelinating lesions like those found in MS, but tumors such as those from the pituitary. In fact, the rest of Mr. P's examination, with the exception of the areas of his torn rotator cuff, were surprisingly normal, suggesting at least that his MS was under control. However, he would need to have the blindness finding be reevaluated, to which I told the patient and promptly. So I guess no surgery, Mr. P said, somewhat resignedly. Not today, I replied. I arranged for an MRI scan for the patient, which was done very quickly, and not surprisingly, it appeared that the patient did indeed have a tumor at his pituitary gland, right at the optic chiasm. I called my colleague in neurosurgery, who agreed to evaluate the scan and the patient very promptly. In the interim, I did call the resident to let her know that more than likely, Mr. P wouldn't be able to go to surgery today. So his MS is really active, she asked, and then I relayed my examination finding to her. After a pause, she said, lesson learned, always call neuro first. I smiled and could only think about our own neural processes, and today about the quote, love your process. Thank you very much for joining me for Patient Stories. Be happy, be healthy, and find peace.